Welcome to the NPFCC Messages Podcast. Thanks for taking the time to prioritize your spiritual growth by intentionally absorbing the Word of God. In this message series, Foundation, we're taking a close look at our core beliefs and how our foundational understanding of the nature of God guides the way we live and see the world. Our prayer is that we would build our foundation on the words and the way of Jesus. Well, it is great to see you all on a, on a super Sunday, right? Are you ready? We, we kept trying to figure out how to get penalty flags and everything in the service today, but you'll get, you're, get your fill of that stuff later, right? Um, it is just wonderful to have you with us. Hey, I say, we'll say a prayer this morning. I forgot to pray for them just now. We have uh, a lot of our young people who are up at uh, winter camp, and they'll be heading home today praying that God will um, give them a great experience and have them encounter God today in a powerful way. You know, last week we began our series um, uh, called Foundations, and um, we're glad that you're here with us. If you missed that, you might want to jump back and and get that uh, message from last week. Um, And uh, we're just glad you're here today, whether you were here online or here in the room. And um, we, um, we began this series called Foundations, because one of the things that we've noticed in our world today is that... uh, the last year was, a couple years were rough, but a lot of people's foundations just got shaken to the core. And there's a lot of people that walked away from a life of faith and trust and, and kind of allowed their foundations to get crumbled. So we want to help people build a foundation of faith that will stand during the storms of life. How many of you experienced some storms of life? How many of you are in a storm of life at the moment, right? Yeah. Well, this morning we're going to dive in because last week we started looking at the foundational truths about God and who he is. That God, he's an all-knowing God. He's an all-powerful God that he never changes, which is amazing. And because he never changes, he's dependable. Uh, Because he's all-powerful, he has the answer to life's issues for us. There's nothing he can't do. Because he's all-knowing, he loves you anyways, Right? I mean, that's the great thing. He knows everything you've ever done, every thought that you're having, and, and he loves you anyways. We, we talked about how God was eternal, that he was before anything that had been created, that he is creator, that he spoke everything into being. And because he's the creator, he is also the definer. He gets to tell us what things are. He gets to tell us how things work. He is truth. And when it comes to human beings um, in in this whole idea of creation, that God formed us. Everything else he spoke into being. With us, he formed us, says out of the dust of the ground. And then we talked last week about how then he breathed life into us. And and that's really important for what we're going to talk about today. He breathed the breath of life into us. And that word for breath is the Hebrew word ruah. Everybody say ruah. Ruah. If you say it like a good Hebrew, you would kind of get some spit going. You could kind of go like ruah, right? And just if a little bit comes out, then then you did it right. So um, yeah, ruah. And and it is this idea, it is is the life-giving thing force, right? But it is God's breath that gave us life. And from the beginning, we were created to be like containers of his spirit, to to be people filled with his spirit 
and living life that way. He created us in his image that you and I were supposed to be image bearers to the world of, of, of God. When he stamped his image on us, he says, there, now you live in the world and you, you carry my image with you in this world. God created this amazing world. He created us to live in relationship with him and to love him and to love others, to live in the power of his spirit and to bear his image to the world. So what happened? I, I mean, are, 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 you, are, you th- are you living that life that's just victorious and powerful and you're living in the image of God and you're bearing his spirit? I mean, are, are you living that way? Is our world on that track? What happened? I mean, it's crazy. We, we don't have to look very far to realize that things have gotten way away from God's original plan. I mean, do you, do you realize, we only have two chapters in the whole Bible. The first two chapters are all we have of what life is like the way God created it. I mean, everything was great. And then chapter three shows up. Right? Two chapters of everything working under God's direction in the way he wanted it, with human beings bearing his image and filled with his spirit and living the life that God intended. But God created us with this nasty thing called a will. A will to choose him, a will to choose his plan, And we seem to struggle with living life as God designed it to be lived. The Apostle Paul, in the book of Romans, chapter 7, he puts it this way. He he says this, and I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. He says, uh, says, I find this law at work in me, that what I want to do, I, I can't do it. And what I don't want to do, I find myself doing that. I mean, anybody ever feel that way? Like, man, why can't I do what I know I'm supposed to do? And, and why is it that all the stuff I want to do, I just can't seem to pull that off? Am I the only one, or is anybody else feeling that way? Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of a, of a story in my life where uh, just like hitting the wrong target. Um, when, um, when I was a kid, um, me and my brothers, um, we, you, you hear the stories, and sorry if your kids are in the room and I give them any crazy ideas, but... We used to love, we, we used to, anything that you could throw, shoot, whatever, we, we used to go around the neighborhood and we'd collect bottles, right? Coke bottles, because you could turn them in and get money. And then we'd go to um, a store called Jemco. Anybody remember Jemco? I'm like totally dating myself, right? Um, I hate Jemco. My mom used to leave us in the car and say, I'll be back in a minute. Um, that, I, I told Brenda that's where I get my concept of a minute. <laughs> so, um, we, but we'd, we'd get the money and we'd go in and we'd head straight for either the toy section or the sporting goods section. When we were little, we, we bought these, um, we loved it, we bought these little bow and arrows, right? And they had the plunger at the end. Those things were super fun. Um, and we'd run around the house um, and you know, there's not a whole lot of stuff in the house that those little plunger things would stick to. Right? I mean, they don't stick to a couch. Um, they don't stick to a little sister very good. Um, they, they don't stick to the dog. They, don't, you know, they stick to a window or a refrigerator door. That's about it. 
Um, and so because they didn't stick, so we head outside and see if we can find stuff that we can, you know, that they'll stick to, right? Um, they'll stick to um, the windows on the house, and they'll stick to the side of your car. Um, don't do it at a moving car, trust me. It's not, that doesn't turn out good. But because they wouldn't stick in a lot of things, we would pop the plungers off, right? And then we would whittle down the ends. And, and, and then they would stick in a lot more stuff. Um, so we, we'd get these like cardboard boxes and we'd draw targets on them. And, and we would try, but they're cheap, right? And these things are going like all over the place. And we're shooting them at the box and, and we're missing like crazy. And um, we, we had two doors down from our house. We had this little girl um, that lived there. Um, think Darla from... Um, the uh, Dennis the Menace, right? Or Margaret, it was Margaret, right? Yeah, sorry, got my cartoons mixed up. So, and, and she was like, she, she loved to torment us. And so she's running around, and we're, we're trying to shoot our little bow and arrows at the box, and she goes running over, and she starts to grab the arrow off the ground, and then she kicks the box over, and she runs. Well, before I know what's happening, there was this crazy instinct on the part of my brother who he just like pulls back the arrow and he sh lets go. And you know, if he was really trying, he could have never hit her. But all of a sudden, right about the time she hits the fence by her house, he gets her right in the back of the leg. And she goes down like a gazelle, right? And my brother jumps up and he goes, I got her! And I jumped up and I went, you idiot! Like, do you know how much trouble we are gonna be in right now? Now luckily she had like jeans on, so the, uh, no blood, it just kind of stuck in her jeans, thank goodness, right? Um, and and but, but the whole idea is this, like, why is it that like, when you're trying to do something that you shouldn't, it always seems to work. And then when you're trying to do the right thing, you can never hit the target, right? I mean, and that just seems to happen in our lives so often. And so, I mean, we couldn't have made that shot if our life depended on it. But if I ask you today, what is your greatest problem? What's your greatest problem today? What would you say? Some of you might say, oh man, yeah, I've, I've got some financial struggles. Some of you might say, you know, I've got a relationship issue that's going on. Some of you, it, might, it could, be, could be a health issue. That could be something going on today. Maybe it's your kids. They're just driving you absolutely nuts. Uh, maybe it's a car. Maybe you had car problems this morning getting here. Um, it could be just about anything. But I hate to break it to you, but none of those things, none of those things are actually your biggest problem. You see, our biggest problem, every single one of us foundationally, is the problem of sin. But oftentimes we're so busy shooting at other targets that we don't take time to recognize how deep the problem of sin is. And we try to avoid looking at it because it's ugly. And we don't want to look at it, but foundationally, we, we have to spend time looking at this problem of sin in our lives. 
because we've got to get it taken care of. You, you can't ignore it away, but Jesus can take it away. And so we have to face it so that we can get it dealt with. So the problem of sin starts out, remember last week we, do, we dove in deep to creation and what God did and how he created everything. But we're gonna jump in just Genesis chapter three. If you have your Bibles, join me there. Um, if you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen. And um, we're gonna dive in. God had created everything. It was all good. Um, he created mankind. It was very good. But then something happened. And it all fell apart. It says in Genesis chapter three, starting in verse one, he says, now, the serpent was more crafty. I feel like I should say the serpent, and you should all go, boo, right? Like you know, audience participation, right? So now the serpent, yeah, there you go. Who was more crafty, I like that. <laughs> so it was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now you back up, and if you're new to this whole thing, you're kind of looking and you're going like, okay, snakes to talk? Like, like what's up with that? Like, who is this serpent? Well, in, in the book of Isaiah tells us a little bit about who the serpent is. Um, Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 says, and it's talking about who, who the serpent is. He says, how you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn, you have been cast down to earth you, want, you who once laid low the nations, right? The word morning star there is actually a, a proper name, and it's the name Lucifer. Oh, see, some of you got the ooh in there, right? Yeah. I mean, he, he, was, he was one of the created hosts of heavens, but he was cast out from heaven. Why? Well, look at the next couple verses, verse 13 and 14 in Isaiah Chapter 14 says this, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on, uh, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you were brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. I mean, because he wanted to be like the Most High, because he wanted to be like God or rise above God, unsatisfied with being part of God's story, he wanted to write a story where he would be the star. I mean, did you notice how many times he said, I will, in that? He was just focusing on I, I, I. Uh, that, that, folks, is one of our major problems. We focus on I. But instead, instead of all that, his rebellion caused him to be cast out of heaven. And now we find him entering the story, encouraging the first humans, right? Our first parents to, to do the same thing he did, right? To, to try to be like God or to take the role of God. See, I believe that for most of us, the story is this. We have an almighty, all-powerful God who created us to bear his image, to be containers of his Holy Spirit, but somehow you and I have been fooled into thinking that the story would be better with us as the star and God in some supporting actor role. I mean, let, let, that, let that sink in for just a minute. 
we have decided in our life that we should be the star of the show and God, Jesus, is a supporting actor. That he's just there to support me. That Jesus' death on the cross is just there to save me. That heaven is just about me and me getting there. I mean, let, let that really sink in this morning because if you think about it for a moment, I think we will all agree that most of the time that's exactly the perspective that we come from. That rather than bearing his image and holding his Holy Spirit in our lives so that he's directing us and making his name great and shining the light on him and bearing his image in a way that everybody glorifies and like Devin was talking about, worships him. Instead we say, no, we're the star of the show. And that's where everything goes sideways. And so in Genesis chapter three, um, next couple verses, verse two through five, it says this. So the the serpent comes along, he's tempting people to make his same mistake of, of trying to usurp God's authority. And so then it says, the woman said to the serpent, oh, all right, you guys are getting, catching it, I like it. We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the fruit that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. So she, she knows. She knows the truth. She knows what God said, right? And up until now, that's the way that they've been living. But then the serpent comes in and says this to her. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And catch this. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Remember Satan's sin? I'm going to become like God. I'm going to rise up to that level. And Satan, he wanted us to make the same mistake he did. Like, you know what? You be the star of the show. You make the choices. You decide what's good and evil. And like the serpent, we come to believe that the story should be about us. And, and up till this point, Adam and Eve had never experienced anything but good in the garden. I mean, can you imagine that? Could you imagine living life in a, in a place where there is no sin, where there is no evil, where there, it's just everything is just perfect and good, and, and you walk with God during the cool of the day through a garden? I mean, I mean, how amazing is that? And they threw all that away because they wanted their way. And like most of us, Eve didn't, didn't want to um, try this new experiment alone, so she brings Adam into the story. She brings him along from the ride, right, for the ride, because everybody else is doing it, and, and that becomes true. In Genesis 3, 6, it says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, man, don't we follow what's pleasing to our eyes, and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. I mean, it's at, it's at that point 
where they just decide, hey, you know what? We're going to ignore God's instructions. We're going to do our, why? Because it's pleasing to our eye. It's desirable for us. We want our way. You know, the book of Romans chapter 3, verse 10 and 12 says this. There is no one who is righteous, not even one. No one who understands. No one who seeks God. All have turned away. We have altogether become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Every single one of us are caught up in the same thing. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23 tells us. Say, all have sinned. So, so how many in the room have sinned? Yeah, every single one of us, right? I, I know we do this all the time, but I, we have to realize we are really all in this together, right? And often we don't recognize our own sinfulness because we're so busy comparing ourselves to other people. You know, I, I might not be a, a Billy Graham or a Mother Teresa or something, but you know what, but I'm better than that other guy. I am definitely better than most of the people driving on the 101 freeway. I know that, right? Because those, those people are just evil. <laughs> but God doesn't grade on a curve. The, the problem isn't how you compare with everyone else. The problem is how do you compare to a totally holy and perfect God? Because he is perfect, because he is holy... Because he is the ultimate purity, he, he can't allow sin into his presence. So what happens when we want to be in his presence? Passage in Romans say that we all fall short of the glory of God. What's the glory? Remember the angels at Christmas time, they come in, glory to God in the highest. What's, what's his glory? You know, there's a lot we can say about it. You know, it's not just some glowing halo, you know, on the pictures or things like that. It really, when you cut it all down, the easiest way for us to understand it is, it's really, it's his presence. It's the power of his presence around us. And it says that we've all sinned and we fall short of the glory. In, in fact, in other words, like where his presence is and what exudes out of who got it, like because of our sin, we fall short. We can't get near his, we can't get into his presence because of the sin in our life. So what is sin? It's kind of interesting. Webster's Dictionary says this. Sin is a transgression. It is evil, a violation of accepted moral or religious codes. It says sin is the lack of conformity to the character of God. Sin is a hopelessly uncurable disease of the soul. And I take exception to that one. I think uh, Webster got it wrong because it is curable, right? But we'll talk about that later. Sin is rebellion against God. Sin is the opposite of holiness of God. Now, the Hebrew word uh, in, in the Bible uh, for sin is the word kata. All right? So we'll have some more Hebrew from Everybody say kata. And you can say it just like that. That's how it's pronounced, right? Kata. Right? That's what happens to you. Like, ah, you know, kata. That's sin. That's sin in your life. And what it really means is to miss the mark, to go astray. But this, this word that I, as I was diving in, this was kind of a, a new avenue for me um, thinking about sin, is one of the best definitions of kata is to fail. To fail. It's, kind of, it's an archery term. 
uh, where, and some of you have heard this before, where like back in, back in this ancient time, they, when they would have a contest, they would have a target, right? And then the uh, archers would shoot at it. And then um, when the people would shoot at it, the judge would go up and he would look and see, you know, where they hit. And, and if they didn't hit the bullseye, then the, then the judge would yell out, kata, right, or sin. Okay, you failed. You didn't hit the target. And that's what, that's, that's what the definition of sin um, looks like. I mean, in the book of Judges, chapter 10, verse 16, um, it, it was interesting that it says, that there was this group of 700 choice men. They were left-handed slingers, right? And they could take a slingshot, and it says they could sling a stone at a hair and not kata, okay? And not fail, and not miss it, okay? Now, the first time that the word sin is ever used in the Bible is in Genesis chapter four, verse six and seven. And it says this, it says, then the Lord said to Cain, so you remember the story about Cain and Abel, there's Cain and Abel, and they come to give a sacrifice, right? And Cain, um, he shows up and, and he gives some of, the, some of his like veggies and stuff, and then uh, Abel, he gives a sacrifice, he brings you know, an unblemished lamb like he was supposed to, and then uh, Cain ends up killing Abel, right? And, um, and as, after he kills his brother, the Lord shows up on the scene and it says, the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? Now listen carefully to this, verse seven. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do what is wrong, and here's the word, kata, sin is crouching at your door, and it desires to have you, but you must master it. You must rule over it. There's a lot in that verse. I mean, sin is described as this, this hungry beast crouching at your door, ready to devour you, right? Later on, in the New Testament, it'll say the, the devil is like a roaring lion just prowling around looking for somebody to devour. Sin is like this, this thing. It's almost got this life of its own that's looking to destroy us. But... It says here, but you must rule over it. And I love that because to me, I, I look at that and I go, so it's possible. I'm not good at it. I mess this up pretty regularly. Oftentimes, oftentimes, unfortunately, I hear that thing scratching at the door and I open up and I let it in. And every time I do, that crazy thing just claws me. But the Bible tells us that we can rule over it. That, that with God's help and the power of God's spirit and, and with the truth of his word, we have the ability to rule over that, to say no to it. And we'll get into that in weeks coming up. But this whole idea is that sin, now, now here's the thing, as, as I was rethinking this idea of sin, because I was just like, okay, I know sin is doing bad stuff or whatever, but sin is not just doing wrong, right? I mean, that's, that's what we, we mostly think of sin as like, I, I mess up, like I, I, I do something wrong. 
I mean, how many of you do something wrong every day, right? Yeah. But, but sin is not just doing wrong. Sin, if I, if I take a look at the definition and what the Bible teaches about it, sin is failing. Now, listen carefully to this. Sin is failing to be who God created us to be. It's not just doing the bad stuff. It's failing to be who God created us to be. It's failure to be his image bearer in the world. It's failure to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's failure to love God and others around me. That, that's the true nature of sin. It's, it's taking its eyes off of who I'm meant to be and then saying, no, this is who I want to be instead. And that's the problem that most of us have is that we fail to be who God created us to be. And, and we can do that. You, you, can, you can do things and, and not do a lot of bad stuff, but still fail to be who God created you to be and fail to live in the power of his Holy Spirit, bearing his image to the world. And sin has consequences. So what are the consequences of our sin? Well, number one, look at uh, Genesis, back to Genesis 3, verse 7. It says, once they bit the fruit, it says, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So the first thing we know is the consequences of sin is we cover up. We, we try to cover up, right? Or we try to pretend it didn't happen in a lot of cases. Um, we, we, or we try to cover up. I, I remember um, a story one time about me and my brothers because we, were we weren't supposed to play ball in the house, but we sinned. And I remember one time we, we broke something that was really valuable of my mom's. And, um, okay, this is, this is how stupid we were. We just threw a blanket over it. <laughs> and then went on playing. Because if you can't see it, right? So we just tried to cover it up. Like, oh, that didn't really happen. A lot of us try to cover things up. A lot of us try to add other stuff in our lives that will be louder than the sin that we had to try to cover up. A lot of us will do a lot of other things in our lives to try to just cover up the sinfulness in our lives. In fact, some of us try really hard to be super religious and do lots of good stuff and like show up to church on Sunday mornings and read our Bible every day and all that stuff to try to cover up. Right? Let me tell you this. No amount of church attendance or Bible reading or whatever will just cover it up. The only thing that will take it away is the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't just do good stuff trying to think it's going to cover it up. So we try to cover it up, and then next we, we hide. Right? It causes us to hide. Genesis 3, 8 through 10 says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Yeah, as if God didn't know, right? I think he was just giving him a chance. And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. I mean, it's almost the first instinct in all of us when we sin is we hide. You know, first we try to cover up, and then we try, we hide. 
And, and, and then we try, we, we hide ourselves, we avoid contact, right? We avoid contact with the ones that we've sinned against. I mean, you've all done this before. You knew something was wrong, you knew you did something to offend, and then you avoided somebody, right? So, some of you are practicing that right now. You, there's someone that you're avoiding because you don't want to face them because there's tension there, right? We hide from, we, we stay away from, we avoid. I mean, it was funny, when I, when I was really young, um, every day, we, we, we just couldn't wait till my dad got home. And my dad would come driving in the truck, and we would run out to the truck, and we would help carry his stuff in, right? He was a construction worker, so we, we, we'd put his, his hard hat on, and we'd carry his tool bags, we'd do, he'd grab all this stuff, and we just, and then once we got in the house, it was just like WrestleMania, right? We were just, we'd wrestle, and we'd have fun, and it was awesome, and that was a normal day in our house. We would always wrestle until somebody got hurt, right? Um. But there were these other days. There were days where I messed up, where I did something where I wasn't who I was supposed to be. I didn't do what I was supposed to do, and my, I, I, my mom would look at us and say, wait till your father gets home. You know, on, those, on every other day, I couldn't wait till my father got home. On those days, whoo, I was like, please, Lord Jesus, let him stay away for a while, right? Because we try to avoid, we try to hide. And some of you are trying to hide right now. And, and, and what I would tell you this morning is, um, and, and why we're doing a message about sin is this, is don't try to hide in it. As long as you're trying to keep it hidden or covered up, it can't get dealt with. And some of you have been hiding it for so long that it's just become part of your life. And you've just got used to it. And God is saying, hey, I made a solution for that. I want to take that weight, that burden, that pain, that I want to take that away from you, but you keep holding on to it. Folks, don't hide. Name it, bring it out, let it be seen, and let God take care of it because he loves you and he doesn't want you to carry that burden anymore. And so the next thing that we often do other than hide is we blame others, right? We, we make it somebody else's fault. In Genesis 3, 11 to 13, uh, the story goes on and says, and he, uh, he being God, said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman that you, that you put here with me. So he's actually kind of blaming both the woman and God, right? First he says, well, the woman, oh yeah, remember you put her here. That's, that's what God, that's what God, you know, Adam is saying. He says, she gave me some of the fruit and I ate it. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent. Yeah, right? So Adam points the finger at her, she points the finger at the serpent, and the serpent doesn't give a rip. 
right? He's just glad he's messed this whole thing up. Do you guys realize that? The devil, the devil does not give a rip about you. You, you think the devil's just there trying to mess you up. You're just a pawn. You guys realize that? You, he, he, the devil just wants to hurt you because he knows it'll hurt God. And we keep falling for it. And then we just blame others. But the other consequences of sin are the pain and suffering in our world. You know, a lot of people will point the finger, they'll blame God. Say, God, why, how could you let this happen? God, why this, why that, why that? Well, the reality is, is it's because of sin. Because sin wreaks havoc and breaks everything it comes in contact with. And because sin is in the world, it is destructive. It, it ruins relationships. It ruins life. It, it is anti-everything that God desires for us. And it causes pain and suffering in the world. All of the stuff that you see going on in the world, um, all of that pain, all of that suffering, those were not things that God intended from the beginning. Those are there because of the consequences of sin. And the book of Romans even tells us that, hey, the world is just groaning and waiting for God to make things right because the world itself, the earth is in pain. Why? Because of sinful man. And the fact that we just wreak havoc on everything. In Genesis 3, again, going on the story, it says, so God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. So when the devil is trying to attack, just turn around and kick some dust in his face, okay? Because that's where he belongs. He says, um, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. It's the first glimpse that we get of a savior that's gonna come and crush the head of the serpent. We'll again get into that later. The woman, to the woman he said, I will make your, pain, your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will bring forth children. And all the women go, thanks, Eve, right? <laughs> I mean, think about it. I mean, sinfulness brought pain and suffering into the world. He says, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat it. Cursed is the ground. Did you see how even the ground now is cursed? Even the ground has problems because of sin? Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat your food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. Do you know before sin there wasn't weeds? I mean, sin causes, wreaks havoc in everything. It causes relational chaos. I mean, he says to the woman, I mean, catch this. I mean, your desire will be for your husband, but he'll rule over you. I mean, this was a result of the fall. This was a result of sin. Before, they're running around the garden. Everything's great. 
They're naked. They don't even know it. They're just having, I mean, everything is wonderful. But all of a sudden, the minute that sin enters the world, what happens? Well, now there's all these like, well, I'm more important. I'm more important. Everybody's buying for position. I mean, that's what sin does in relationships. And Paul tells us in Ephesians 5 to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Sin is the constant blockade to that. When we have sin in our lives, it's really, it's really hard to submit to one another. Because submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ is the way God designed it to be lived. But sin comes in and says, no, 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 you first, me first. And then he tells Adam, because you've listened to your wife, I mean, and now men everywhere are afraid to listen to their wives. I'm just kidding. You, you really should. And even the earth is affected by our sin. Sin destroys everything and brings death. You know, death wasn't part of God's original plan. In Genesis 3, 19, it says, by the sweat of your brow you will eat your food. And then listen to this, until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Did, did you catch that? Dust you are, and to dust you will return. What, what happened here is that, think about this, God originally formed man out of the dust of the earth, right? God did that. He formed him, but what brought him to life? Remember? Yeah, God's breath, his spirit, that ruah, brought him to life. Well, now, because of sin, he says, now you're just dust again. I mean, think about that. Now because you've decided that you want to do it your way and you don't want the Holy Spirit guiding your life, you want to be in charge, he says, now you're just dust. And death was never part of God's plan. He actually wanted us to live forever. But we traded it all in for a shiny piece of some kind of fruit. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. What we deserve for our sinfulness is death. And the other thing sin does is it separates us from God. In verse 20 in Genesis 3, it says, Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all living. And the Lord made garments of sin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Did you catch that? Even in God's protection, something had to die to give them clothing. And then the Lord said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. See, that was God's original plan. Eat the, you know, eventually God's like, hey, we're going to, you know, you'll eat the tree of life, you'll live forever. God says, hey, now he has to stay away. And so God banished them from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken and after he drove man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden a cherubim and a flashing sword, uh, sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. And you know, we look at that and we go, man, that, that, is, that is a lot of punishment. But do you know how gracious that move was on God's part? 
We, we don't think about this very often, but do you know how gracious it was? Because if man in his sin, in his state of sin, could have gotten back and got the tree of life and lived forever in his sinfulness. So instead, God said, no, no, no. I'm gonna devise a plan where we're gonna get him back, where we're gonna get man back. We're gonna devise a plan to remedy this separation that sin has caused. And then he can eat from the tree of life. You know where the tree of life, we don't know exactly where the tree of life is. We don't know where it went. There's actually been crazy people who have been looking for it, right? Do you know where the tree of life shows back up? The book of Revelation. When finally, after all is taken care of, God goes, now, now you can eat of the tree of life. But our sin right now, the state that we find ourselves in, separates us from God. Isaiah 59, 2 says, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, and listen carefully to this. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, right? What we want. And followed its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. The good news is the first word in verse four is the word but. But you're gonna have to come back next week to get the rest of that story. You see, we, we need to sit for just a few moments. You know, the whole Old Testament, some people struggle with the Old Testament. The whole Old Testament is a testament to what happens when man tries to do it on his own. The whole Old Testament is demonstrating to us that sinfulness no, no, even if God gave you a set of rules, you can't follow them. You can't be good enough. You need a savior. And, and, and we don't do this very often, but you know what? We, I think we need to just, we just need to stay, we just need to sit and acknowledge the fact that we truly have tried to usurp God's place in so many areas of our lives. When God says, hey, I want this for you, and we go, no thanks, God, I got this, right? I can take care of this, God. You know, I, I, can, I can take care of my relationships. I can take care of all this stuff. And here's the answer. No, you can't. Not and live the way that God has designed you to live. You need him. But we need to recognize the problem. Because one of the first steps in in making sure that you recover, right? And, and it, it is this, is you, you have to identify the places where you fall short. You have to identify the sin in your life. You have to identify those things and you have to confess those things. 
You have to say, yeah, this is where I've messed up. This is where I've tried to take the leading role and I've made God the supporting actor. And only once you recognize that can you actually switch roles and let God be the star of the show. And so this morning, I think we just, we need time to face the realities of our sin and, and the destruction that it causes. I mean, my heart breaks for, for many of you who I know are struggling with painful things going on in your life, difficult struggles, you know, whether they be financial or physical and all those things. But the reality is, is that, you know, all of that other stuff is just caused by sin. The foundational problem is sin. And we need to recognize that we've all been diagnosed with that. And we need God to bring us the remedy. So I want to encourage you this morning as we close the service. I, you know, we, we try to always, it's like we want to be a good news place, a place where you know, and there is good news. Okay, there's a big old, that sounds bad, but in Ephesians, <laughs> where it says, but God, right? We were all dead in our transgressions. We all were deserving of death, but God. So I hope you'll join us next week as we dive into how God takes care of our problem. But for today, I think it's important for us to really take a moment and allow ourselves to recognize the sin that we have in our life. So I want to encourage you today to pray a prayer with me. Then it's really just a prayer of scripture from Psalms chapter 139. And the, I think the praise team is going to come on up and and prepare us. But, but I want you to just, this is the prayer that David prayed when he got fronted with his sin, if you know the story of committing adultery with Bathsheba. He already got caught, but yet he prays this prayer. And he says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So I want you, I want you to join me this morning. I mean, we have, we have our communion here, and, and what we're going to do this morning is maybe a little bit different, is I want you to just take time this morning. And, and in just a moment, we're going we're gonna to go through and we're going to pray that prayer together. And this morning... After we pray that prayer, I, I want you to just kind of sit in quietness and, and, and see if God will do exactly what you're asking him to do. If he will show you any offense. If he will show you in your life, maybe even the sin that you've been hiding, and maybe some of you have been hiding so long and you've gotten so good at it, and maybe you need, God needs to kind of bring that back up to the surface so you can deal with it. And that's going to be, that's my prayer for all of us, is that if there's an offensive way in us, if there's some sin in our lives that we keep pushing down, that we need to get out, that God will make, he will reveal that to us. And he'll say, oh yeah, Kent, this, this is the one. This, this, yeah, you know what, that, that thing, that, that issue that, that you're having with Brenda, yeah, no, that's not a Brenda issue, that's a Ken issue, and you need to, you need to, you need to deal with it. 
right? You, you need to bring that up and let me take care of that. We all have those things. Nobody's immune. We all have sinned and fall short. And so we want God to deal with that. And then the good news is, like we do every week, is that the blood of Jesus takes care of that. This is the prescription to take care of our sin. And so ask God that, sit, let him speak with you, and then as you do, when you're ready, when you're ready, then you just take communion, remembering that the broken body of Jesus represented by that little piece of bread and the, the blood of Jesus represented by the juice, that that, that, that that is what takes away our sin. And if you're here this morning and you want to confess, um, if, if you're here this morning and you know there's something that you gotta take care of, I just wanna invite you to just come up and, and feel free to pray because sometimes you just gotta make a move in God's direction. And just come and kneel and pray and say, God, you know, reveal this thing to me. When he does, just come and say, God, would you help me? Would you take this away? Would you put me on the right path? If you want to pray with someone, I'm going to ask our, our elders and any of their spouses who are here to just come up and just kind of sit right up here on the front edge of the platform. If you want to pray with someone, just come up and pray with them. They're there for you. If you want to pray with somebody else, we've got our prayer team that will be in the kind of the back corners over there. They're just there to pray with you if you need that. But let God do his thing with you this morning. Allow him to show you the things that you need to deal with. And let's get him taken care of. And let's put God back in the place. Let him be the star in the story of our lives. So let's pray and then spend time with him. Our Heavenly Father, let's, let's pray that prayer together first. It says this. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Our Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you have made a way. Father, but forgive us for our sin. Father, help us know that you, you understand our sinfulness and yet you love us. You loved us enough to send your son and Father, we pray that today we would accept his sacrifice, that we would trust him to remove our sin, and that, Father, we would make him truly Lord in our lives. Thank you, Father. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the NPFCC Messages podcast. If you'd like to support the work of our church, head to npfcc.org give to make a one-time or reoccurring gift. For more information about us, you can always check out our website at npfcc.org. Again, that's npfcc.org.